So Money Episode 925, Mahisha Dellinger, founder of Curls and author of the book, Against All Odds, From the Projects to the Penthouse. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I actually went to try to get a business loan, and despite having an exceptional personal credit, I cannot get a loan to save my life, and that was why I started small. I thought I was going to, you know, launch big, go grand, um, and then hit retail quickly. I'm glad it didn't happen because starting small let me, number one, learn the mistakes that I made on a small scale. What does it take to go from growing up in poverty to running a multi-million dollar business and having a TV show on the Oprah Winfrey Network? Our guest today knows all about this. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. While Mahisha Dellinger had a very tough financial upbringing, she was determined to succeed. After college, she graduated and began working in marketing at Intel. And while it seemed like a great job, the dream job, a stable company with a lot of perks, a big part of her always wanted to strike out on her own. So she got the idea to begin an eco-friendly line of hair products for naturally curly hair. And we'll talk about how she transitioned from corporate America to taking the leap to ultimately start Curls. And it was an idea that has, in five years, scaled big. Curls has now teamed up with Target to bring her products into their stores. And Mahisha is also the author of the book, Against All Odds, From the Projects to the Penthouse. Her business has even caught the eye of Oprah. And Mahisha has had the opportunity to have her own show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Mahisha talks about not really being able to secure a small business loan, despite having good credit, despite having good sales, why that served her well in the end. Here's Mahisha Dellinger. Mahisha Dellinger, welcome to So Money. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so it's 2019, 17 years ago, you left your position at Intel and decided to venture into entrepreneurship. And I mean, the rest is history, but can you believe how far your life has come in those, I mean, almost 20 years? Uh, when you first left your job in 2002, what were your thoughts? Were you, were you confident? Were you nervous? Um, well, you know, actually, I left Intel Corporation, but I kept the day job, which is one of the key things I always, always suggest. I actually started working for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, so I can actually have um, a little more uh, flexibility with my schedule. But I did that um, eight to noon. I was able to get all my doctors seen um, by noon. I came home and worked on curls. So I, I kept the day job because I, I'm a, a firm believer in number one, being conservative. Number two, making sure that every dollar when you're a brand new business that you make is reinvested right back into the business. So I had my Pfizer salary that I actually, mm. you know, kept for the household. And then, you know, I used curls dollars to get reinvested back in the business. Uh, I, I'm not the, the one that really would like to jump out and leap out, quote unquote, on faith. 100% without having enough background and sales history. So I did take it slow. 
I love that because I think often when we hear about these, you know, business success stories, we sometimes skip the part about the conservative thing that the entrepreneur did, you know, the, the sort of practical thing that the entrepreneur did because we associate entrepreneurship with like taking risks and really putting yourself out there. So I really, really appreciate that. Now, while you were at Intel and while you were there, you were um, working in marketing. Where did you get the inspiration for what became Curls, which is a um, eco-conscious product line for uh, natural curly hair? It's available everywhere, including Target. Um, when you were sitting at your desk, like obviously that's not where the inspiration may have come from, or maybe it did. Tell me how you got the aha, the idea. Well, actually, it was birthed out of two things, need and also despair. Um, the need came from uh, me being a newly natural mother looking for options for my hair. And back then, there weren't many. Um, when you when you went down the ethnic aisle, everything was like heavy, unnatural oils, um, relaxers. And I didn't want any of that. It was just a really stale category back then. And so I saw an opportunity uh, to make a shift there. And also there was a new trend that showed that women of color were foregoing relaxers and were looking to go back natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were looking for products to enhance a natural hair. So I came in right at the cusp of that. But also I was pushed into entrepreneurship after um, having an experience uh, in corporate America for the first time with corporate racism and experienced that hands-on, which was extremely stressful and jarring because I had become targeted and was going to be let go within a six month time frame. It was documented and I was a young mother. So that moment really did scare me. Um, and I decided once I got through it, I actually wind up ending on ending up on the other side of this because the person who had targeted me, left and went to a different Intel location overseas. And so I got a new manager and that manager came in, you know, uh, without that same set of biases. So I actually was able to get past it and move Mm -hmm. on. I got out of that corrective action plan that he wrote up for me to get rid of me. And, you know, I saw, he saw my value, my worth and all my work, but it was enough still, even though I got through it, it was enough for me to go. I never want to be in this position again. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to be there, but it really opened up my eyes and say, okay, I'm going to work for myself and control my destiny. And that's what pushed me into entrepreneurship. And that's of course the, the despair part of the story, but it had a happy ending and right. (laughs) What was the first, what were the first few years like? I mean, you already, you're a mom, you're, I know you're straddling both, you know, corporate America at this point and starting your business, reinvesting what you're making from curls back into the business. You made about, I believe I read like 85,000 in the first year. And then you just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, how did you balance everything? I mean, forget balance. How did you juggle everything? Well, I know. So I had my job at Pfizer, launched curls. I had an eight-year-old and then two additional babies back-to-back after that. Insanity. It was insane. So I, you know, I think it was all about one, having the right, having a good community, a strong support system. My husband, extremely supportive. Um, I couldn't have done it without him. Um, we also had to help my mother. We had a nanny. I had um, not a lot of staff at the beginning. So it was really the home front that um, where all the support came from that enabled me to do so. And I really definitely give my husband all the credit because 
the many times where I dropped balls uh, trying to manage, get this business off the ground, he picked them up. Mm. And, you know, without him, I couldn't have done it, hands down. Well, I want to later get into more of your perspectives on things like parenting and money and motherhood and uh, focusing a little bit more on the business for a moment. What would you say is something that you wish you had known about starting a business from scratch and then scaling it uh, that you learned the hard way? Well, um, I think I learned a lot of lessons, but the one about scaling um, is really one that I actually always commend and talk to people about planning, planning how to scale um, and how you're going to get there. And failing the plan is planning to fail. Now, I happen to um, have been lucky in the sense that I did not have a plan to scale. I had a business plan and a marketing plan, but going from 1 million to five or five to 10 and then from 10 to 50, those are different obstacles and how to scale it becomes increasingly um, challenging. So not having a plan was something that I learned the hard way because I realized you can't just, just transition um, your business and increase its um, multi- and, and do so multiple times without having a plan. And I realized that really the hard way and had to go back and revisit everything. Like I thought once I, I had this plan, I had this great product, I'm, I'm in a store. Awesome. I did so at the beginning, but once I had to jump and, and increase the business, I had to figure out how to do that. And I had to get it. I had to get help. So getting help was one of the things that I did midway uh, as I scaled to retail. I wish I had done that earlier. Um, lesson learned, but I always now tell people, everyone I speak to, that you have to have an end goal, of course, an end plan, a plan um, to scale, but also an exit plan. Those are all the plans we need to have in place with business owners. The exit plan. Where? How far from the exit plan are you right now? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I have, it's so funny. I get a lot of requests, at least one to two a week. Um, where I get requests for emails asking if I want to sell, if I want, you know, an investor. And today I have a hundred percent ownership, haven't taken any investors and haven't sold the business. So I'm still here. We have a lot more to do. Wow. Did you do that intentionally? Not raise money, not, you know, bring on investors. Is this, was this always the plan? You know, actually, no. Good question. I actually went to try to get a business loan. And despite having exceptional personal credit, I cannot get a loan to save my life. And that was why I started small. I thought I was going to, you know, launch big, go grand, um, and then hit retail quickly. I'm glad it didn't happen because starting small let me, number one, learn the mistakes that I made on a small scale without the risk of losing money learn, grow, improve, learn, grow, improve, and complete, continue that cycle without having the exposure, increased exposure of owning someone to being large, like on a, on a retail shelf and getting kicked out if you can perform. All those reasons were why I'm glad that I started small and grew it because it became a sustainable business and not a uh, business that would fail. Most, as you know, businesses fail within the first five years. Yeah. I, I believe that had I gone the other route that I thought I wanted to, which was funding day one, I probably would have been one of those statistics. Well, speaking of statistics, Mahisha, given that you 
were raised from the projects. I mean, you wrote a book called Against All Odds. You have, you, you know, you are someone who's well aware of statistics. Um, what do you think it was about you that allowed that you, that allowed you to persevere? That allowed you to basically beat the odds, given that probably some of the friends you grew up with um, are still, you know, are are still struggling. Uh, I definitely attribute my sheer will, determination, determination, perseverance, grit. All those things are needed to succeed. And I definitely know I got that from my growing, my um, childhood rearing. Having every odds act against you gives you a will to fight or it gives you no will where you actually give up and, and just fold and become in a part of your environment. It does one of the two things, and I chose the former. I wanted to change my life. And so I know that having nothing and having to fight for everything growing up gave me, today I'm strong because of it. I don't give up easy. I don't take no as a permanent no. It's a pause for now. Um, I keep finding a way. I think that I know that I'm, I, I continue to evolve and am aggressive and assertive and, and I'm, and I'm hungry because I know that where I came from, I don't want to go back to, and I have the will, determination, perseverance, and attitude of success. So it really has benefited me. You know what? I love what you didn't use. What word you didn't use there was luck. Because I think a lot of us, especially women, we attribute our success to just, well, I was lucky. But mm. yeah, have you heard that? I hear that a lot. I think there there have mm. been there have been a lot of analyses on that too. Just that um, we're not we're not very good at owning our worth and our value. Sometimes um, it's we're maybe you know we don't we think it could come across as like I don't know. We're just concerned about the optics sometimes. And we want to just uh, show that we're grateful. And in doing so, we kind of don't want to kick all the credit. Uh, but I love that you completely own your success. Um, and by I'm not surprised. I mean, it's probably why you are successful is because you know your worth, you know your value, and you know how you got here so that you can continue doing the, right. good, the good steps. Um, what's a specific memory from childhood where you learned about money. So this is a question we often uh -huh. ask our guests because I believe that you know who you become as an adult when it comes to a lot of things in particular how your relationship with money is not inconsequential that there were episodes growing up that informed and um directed you. So what what would you say is one really vivid memory from childhood that impacted your either your relationship with money mm. or the way that you think about money? Very good question again. <laughs> well, uh, very good question. My, my mother and father were never married. Um, he was a very successful engineer, graduated from HBCU, um, Tuskegee University, uh, and came from a prominent family. My mother didn't. So therefore, you know, they weren't compatible besides their tumultuous love affair. I'm a byproduct of that love affair. I saw how my mother lived, how we lived. My primary home was with her. Um, and we lived paycheck to paycheck. She was always obviously gone working. I was a latchkey kid, let myself in, let, took myself to school, got myself up. This is first grade, walking to school, getting myself dressed, home, uh, hair brush, comb, 
make my lunch, make my breakfast, take myself to school by myself, first grade. I have four kids. I can never imagine that today. Um, and then bring myself home, you know, do my homework first without anyone in the home. I would do my homework and then go play. I always was responsible, independent. I would go to see my father every other weekend or so. And he lived a different way. Um, it was very much where you could go to a restaurant and well, number one, go to a restaurant. That was a big deal Two, order, whatever you wanted. That was a big deal. Three, go shopping. He, he took care of me financially in the sense he took care of my clothes. And I guess he paid some child support at some point, but I would go shopping and I can get whatever I wanted on and just take everything I wanted. It was like, there wasn't a limit. And so the lifestyles were so completely different that I saw, okay, how do you want to live when you're an adult? House A or House B. It was very evident that success is attributed to education, mm-hmm. and a lack of it is was contributed to poverty. So no brainer. All right, I'm going to be the first to finish high school because everyone else got GEDs, and I'm going to go to college. That was a no brainer. And my father also um, really always, always, always preached that to me. He always he made, made it very clear. Um, so it was a direct correlation between the two. So it was a no brainer. And my relationship with money. Um, I saw how, you know, on my mother's side, how people spent it, it was in on the, the mindset, the millionaire mindset was lacking, put it that way. You don't have, you know, a nice car or living in the projects, you know, those things you just don't do. Right. So a lot of mistakes and made with money um, that people still do today, of course, but I really realized that saving, investing, um, and spending wisely uh, is much better than being project uh, rich, where you're in the hood with a nice car and the fanciest clothes. So I instantly realized, okay, how to manage money is by making sure, number one, you live below your means. And that's something I'm still a, a fan of. Despite you know the success of, of my brand, I still live below my means. And it's because I understand that one way to sustain wealth is to do so. So I'm thankful. I think my, my father has given me a lot of wise lessons, but watching on the other side is also. What's your relationship with your parents today? My father's deceased. Unfortunately, he passed away 99. Um, and my mother... We're close. We after I moved here from da- from Sacramento to Dallas, uh, she moved like three months later. Uh, she's very active with with my children. Um, a big piece of that, like I, men- I mentioned, my support system. Um, so she's always been around and very much in- integrating my family in my life. Um, she's the second mom to my children, uh, and she later, you know, um, went on to uh, have a little more corporate success, if you will. She became a senior claims examiner. So she, her lifestyle changed as she got older. Um, and then now of course, you know, I assist and help a lot. Um, my mother today. That's great. I mean, I'm very sorry to hear about your father, but it's nice to know that you have still a very close relationship with your mom. Um, and I know family is really, really helpful and important as you get older. Um, as now you are running a business and you have a big family, it's nice to be able to have your mom close by. What have, what's been some sort of, um, financial planning that you've put into place 
family planning uh, that uh, that for you defines financial success. So this is a question that comes from our sponsor, Chase, and we're asking our listeners for a tip, a strategy, uh, maybe like a um, some sort of system that they put into place that for them helps them achieve um, financial success, freedom, however you want to define it. Yeah, so success, financial success, freedom for us is diversification, number one. So that was from the how we invest. Our financial advisor understands our, um, uh, you know, our, our goals. So that can complete our, our, both our portfolios are very diverse. So we start there at the basic level, right? Um, we also have, um, um, estate planning for our children. We have four kids, so they're set up quite nicely. But we also are diversifying with business too, not just curls, but other industries that we're going into. Um, and then we're also um, having to real estate. So diversification across the board is how I um, how I achieve success. And it started with curls, of course. Curls was the bread and butter, but it actually opened up the opportunities for us to do other things as well. And you live in in Texas now, so tell us a little about living in Texas, running a business. I find that geography is a is a big factor when I interview guests in terms of their ability or or inability to build wealth. Um, what's it like in Texas? Should we move there? Is it <laughs> good cost of living? Oh, I love it. You know, yeah, I love it. I actually. Uh, I, I would never go move back to California. I'm born and raised in California, never lived anywhere else. And I love it here. I think, number one, okay, I, I was on a date night with my husband one year, and we were, had been contemplating moving to Texas. We weren't sure what city yet. And I had my accountant do um, a mock-up of taxes if I stayed in California and if we moved to Texas. I saw that. I'm like, wow, okay, it's time to go. We <laughs> made that decision after that, after he did that analysis side-by-side comparison. Um, beyond the savings and taxes, of course, there's a great labor force here. A lot of corporations are moving their headquarters here, um, but it's also centrally located. I can get to any and one of my vendors same day. When I was in California, it took a full day to get to where I had to go. Most of my stuff was on the East Coast. Um, I already was manufacturing here in Dallas. So when I lived in uh, California, so it just makes sense. It's just overall um, a better location for me. Now, I, I, you know, of course, the landscape, you can't beat the California landscape. And but, you know, I go on vacation. That's what vacation's for. <laughs> yeah. And all that savings and state income tax, right? No state income tax, right? right? Oh my right. gosh. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tempting. I'll tell you that much. Um, so now tell us a little bit about the Oprah show, the own network t- TV show that you have. How did that come about? And, um, are you having fun? Awesome. Well, yeah, actually we, we wrapped that season one. Um, it's been, oh gosh, a while. I think it was April of, no, 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 sorry, June of last year, we wrapped season one. And so the show Mind Your Business with Mahisha on the OWN Network was actually helping women of color achieve um, entrepreneurial success. And that came about as a result of the producers uh, kind of saw that I was working in that atmosphere already. I was already helping people um and it was not really publicized, but I kind of, my name started getting around in circles that in different circles of mostly reality stars that were looking to brand their, their products and to help get in retail. And one person told another, another person told another. And so it winded up becoming this thing where Mahisha was contacted how to 
brand yourself and your product and and how to achieve success and how to change, you know, obviously your 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 whole image from maybe being a reality star to becoming actually a legitimate business owner that's respected um, and how to change it, how to go about packaging and how to do pricing and how to get distribution and all the things that these ladies actually didn't know. And um, that's kind of how it happened. They saw someone, one of the ladies from um, a reality show actually mentioned to one of the producers and they reached out to me and a few different networks were interested, but um, own ticket quickly and the rest is history. That's wonderful. So building the empire, one platform at a time. I love it. Yeah. Do you have, what's, what's your, okay. So you're a planner. You've already established that. What's the plan for the next, you know, year, two, three, like where do you want to take the business? Where do you want to take your, um, you know, your projects, all of it? Well, we have a lot coming up. I'm super excited because I'm actually uh, exploring a very new um, industry. And mm. I, I'll be able to talk about it more later, but I'm sounding out of the beauty industry going to a completely different world, which is exciting and also a little um, scary at the same time. Uh, but I think it's great because it's enabling me to, again, like you heard, I'm all about diversification. So that's the purpose of this new industry. I see great opportunity. Um, and so I have to, you know, definitely capitalize on it and and take my risk and chance and see if I can make this as successful as a Curls brand. So we have a lot on our plate in that in that regard. And um, I have a lot more coming down the pipeline for Curls. But the biggest thing on my plate right now is the new businesses I have coming up. Wow. Well, I'm getting the sense that you, you know, you're very thoughtful about the risks that you take. What do you examine when you're like thinking of a new business venture, which you're in the midst of now, you're approaching a new business idea. Um, uh-huh. What are the questions you want answers to so that you can feel more certain about going forward, knowing that this could totally be, you know, a loss, mm. but mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what, what makes you comfortable in pursuing um, sort of uncharted territory? You know, it's all about doing my due diligence and seeing, doing the market research and seeing data, data, I'm data driven. So I like to see what's going on and it's okay to not be the first to market. Um, just do it better than the, the first person um, that did come to market. So I like to see things happen. I like to see first what the data shows about the industry. Um, see if there's a need for the product, of course, and that's also research. And then see if there's someone already doing it, see how they're performing. Um, that's also important because then you can take key learnings away and improve on it. All right, Misha, let's do some so many fill in the blanks. This is when I start a sentence and then you just finish it. You've been such a great guest. I've learned so much. I think I need to diversify my business platforms to say the least. (laughs) Um, But these are pretty simple, straightforward, but the key is to not overthink it. So here we go. If I, if I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say you won, you know, Powerball, I don't know what it is uh, in your, in your town, but here in New York, it's like, you know, $460 million somebody could take home. What the first thing I would do is. I would definitely invest it in a new business and in real estate. Wow. And then maybe take a vacation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why well, didn't you say vacation, right? <laughs> right, right. Hurricane came to mind. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? My personal assistant. Yeah. And let's see, personal assistant and caviar. 
Caviar. Ooh, that was going to be yeah. my next, my next fill in the blank was what's one thing you unapologetically splurge on? Oh, okay. So that's a great question. Caviar for sure. And handbags. Handbags. What's your favorite designer right now? Who I should say, who are you wearing? A Chanel. Mm-hmm. Classic. Love it. Actually, I mean, this is nobody should take my advice. What about what I'm about to say? But I have heard that Chanel bags can appreciate. Wow, I've heard that too, and I'm just wondering if that's truly the case. I mean, not a reason to go out and buy Chanel handbag, but would be kind right. of a nice perk, a kind of a surprise perk if it did. All right, I know, I know, I right, I I, I hope that's the case. Okay. When I donate, I like to give to blank because. I love to give to charities um, that help battered women because my mother was a battered woman. Oh, so important. And, you know, in a lot of those relationships, uh, there's there's the physical abuse. There's the economic abuse, too. There's the financial abuse. The women feel prisoned, imprisoned because of, like, their inability to right. stand on to their leave. own two feet. Right, to leave. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. And last but not least, I'm Mahisha. I'm so money because... <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a boss chick that knows how to make money and has changed her life from the project to the penthouse. I love it. Get that book title in. <laughs> the book again is called, the book came out in 2015, but it's still a great read, important for today's times too, especially since uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. And I think that the irony is that there's sometimes more security in taking risks with your own career and your own life instead of putting it in the hands of others. Your book is called Against All Odds, From the Projects to the Penthouse. Congratulations on all of the success of Curls. We hope you'll come back on the OWN Network soon and hope you have a great summer with your family. Thank you so much. I do need a vacation. It was great being here. I enjoyed the interview and thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. You can learn more about Mahisha's business, Curls, at curls.biz and follow her on Instagram at Mahisha underscore Dellinger. All this information and links and audio is available at somoneypodcast.com. And if you are interested in following me on Instagram, would encourage you to do so because also there I'm taking your money questions. Direct message me and we will hold on to those questions for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. 